0: Looking at our Bibles tonight, Esther chapter number 8, Esther chapter number 8. Uh, just to bring us back up to speed on the story of Esther, uh, we get the name of the book from the main character, Esther. Uh, she ends up becoming the queen to King Ahasuerus, a pagan uh, king, and uh, there's a man named Haman, Haman is a bad guy. Haman hates the Jews, and he specifically hates Mordecai, who is uh, the man that was responsible, the cousin that was responsible for raising Esther. And so Haman, uh, he the word that comes to mind is snooker. I mean, you know what I mean when I say snooker. Uh, Haman snookers the king. He uh, he tricks the king into allowing him to write an edict that declares that all the Jews on a specific day are to be put to death by the people, the other people of the 127 provinces of King Ahasuerus. This news is devastating to Esther and Mordecai. And God uses Esther, who's now the queen, to get the attention of Ahasuerus, the king, and explain to the king what's happened and ultimately... Haman, in our last chapter, he is hanged uh, because of his hatred for the Jews, because of what he's done, and uh, he's hanged. The enemy is taken care of, but there's something looming. Uh, in the shadows, the edict of the king that cannot be reversed i don 't know if you 've noticed this, but they talk about the writings we read about these the writings of King Ahasuerus sealed with his ring. They cannot be reversed who can no one can reverse the writings of the king and they can 't be reversed and so still looming in the shadows and in the heart and the concern of Mordecai and Esther are the writings that on this particular day, all the Jews have been decreed to be put to death. What are we going to do about that? And we see by the conclusion of chapter number 8 that God's people are rejoicing. And as a matter of fact, tonight's message is titled this, A Good Day for the Jews. It's a good day for the Jews, and we'll see that here in Esther chapter 8. The Bible says in verse 1, On that day did the king Ahasuerus give the house of Haman, the Jews' enemy, unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was unto her. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. And Esther spake yet again before the king and fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agagite and his device that he had devised against the Jews. Then the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it please the king and if I have found favor in his sight and the thing seem right before the king and I be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hammedatha the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews which are in all the king's provinces. Verse number 6. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen, and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman and him, that, and him they have hanged upon the gallows because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews as it liketh you in the king's name and seal it with the king's ring for the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. Then were the king's scribes called at that time in the third month, that is the month of "...on the three and twentieth day thereof, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded unto the Jews, and to the lieutenants, and the deputies and rulers of the provinces, which are from India unto Ethiopia, and a hundred, twenty, and seven provinces, unto every province according to the writing thereof, and unto every people after their language, and to the Jews according to their writing, and according to their language." And he wrote in the king Ahasuerus' name and sealed it with the king's ring and sent letters by post on horseback and riders on mules, camels, and young dromedaries. Verse number 11, wherein the king granted the Jews, which were in every city, to gather themselves together and to stand for their life to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all the power of the people and province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. Upon one day in all this, in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, namely, upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adair, the copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published in all people. And that the Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. So the posts that rode upon mules and camels went out being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment. And the decree was given at Shushan the palace. And Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white and with a great crown of gold. And with a garment of fine linen and purple. And the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. And we come to this passage of Scripture, this chapter, and it's so fascinating to me and there's so many things to talk about. But I'm going to talk today about a good day for the Jews. A good day for the Jews. And some things happen in this passage of Scripture that uh, equal a good day for, joy, for the Jews. The Bible says that for the Jews there was joy and light and gladness, a good day. And we see earlier in this book of the Bible, we see Mordecai mourning in sackcloth and ashes and the, the, the nation of Jews in the 127 provinces of King Ahasuerus weeping and mourning and fearing their lives, and rightfully so. But now God has orchestrated and God has moved and God has worked and it's a good day for the Jews. Folks, I'm encouraged to know that Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I'm encouraged to know that suffering is not eternal. Hallelujah, aren't you glad? I'm thankful to know that there's glimmers of sunshine and hope in the darkest of moments and days. And we as God's people, we should hope in the Lord. We should rest in his goodness. And we shouldn't allow the devil to beat us into some funk. That makes us think there's no hope. We shouldn't allow the circumstances of the moment to cause us to lose hope in the light which is in Jesus. And we should sing from the depths of our souls songs like we sang just a minute ago. What a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. There's hope. There's hope. And whether you're at this moment in a good day or you find yourself in the condition that Mordecai was in not long ago. Mourning like you're going to die. Like you're at a funeral. You just remember, wherever you are on the roller coaster of life, and it's that, isn't it? You just remember God's faithful. Just remember there's hope. Just remember God's on the throne. You can trust him. It was a good day for the Jews. Let's just begin here, number one, with uh, just breaking this passage Apart, The first section we're going to come to is Esther and Haman's reward. Esther and Haman's reward. I mean, Esther, I'm sorry, Esther and Mordecai's reward. At Haman's expense, right? Esther and Mordecai's reward. Let's look at this. The first two verses. The Bible says in verse 1, On that day did the king Ahasuerus give the house of Haman, the Jews, enemy unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was unto her. I read verse number one, I, I begin to think about, you've got to, you've got to know that King Ahasuerus' head is spinning. I mean, there's been a whole lot of things and pieces put together for King Ahasuerus in the last few hours. For one, he finds out that his queen is a Jew. For two, he finds out that his most trusted General, his most trusted leader, Haman, is a deadbeat scoundrel who had tricked him into condemning every Jew under his control to being put to death. He also begins to see that the man. Mordecai, who had previously saved his life overhearing things at the gate, who yesterday he had sent uh, Haman to parade through the streets to give him praise because of what he had done but hadn't been rewarded for five years previous. He finds out that Mordecai is the cousin of Esther who raised Esther since she was a little girl because she was an orphan. Can you just see Mordecai? Can you see Ahasuerus? He's like, my lands... This is a fascinating, twisted story here. The Bible says that Esther has now told the king what he was unto her, what Mordecai was unto her. Verse number two, the Bible says, And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Now this little phrase here, Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman, is not something to be taken lightly. Haman was the kind of guy who in his personal resources had enough money to be able to pay a massive amount of money in order to exterminate the Jews. Haman's estate was massive. It'd be like finding out that your uncle was... Steve Jobs and now you are the inheritant you're inheriting that type of fortune and Steve Jobs has been on my heart lately i hate the, his early uh death and i'm am sick thinking about it and i hope he was saved. but I, for instance it would be like taking on and receiving the, this kingdom, this empire of a man like Haman was pretty amazing. And the king said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Mordecai and Esther. I've given Esther all that belonged to Haman. And Esther says, Mordecai, I'm going to give you control over it. And the king, Ahasuerus, said, Mordecai, here's Haman's ring. I'm going to make you a chief ruler in my kingdom. You're a trustworthy man. Now, these first two things we see are pretty impressive. It's fascinating. It's good. Because we watch Esther, and we watch her struggle through and pray through. We watch Mordecai struggle through and pray through. And we watch God entrust two of his people with a massive treasure and a massive amount of influence and a grand opportunity. When I thought about this and prayed over it and considered this moment in Mordecai and Esther's life, I just couldn't help but note that it is a really good day when God trusts, trusts Godly people with great things. It's good. Now, lest you excuse yourself because you've not inherited a great estate, or lest you excuse yourself because you don't have a, a massive fortune, lest you excuse that—I don't. You know something: the things that God has entrusted you with are to be used for his good, for his glory, for eternity. We talk often in our home about with the boys. I talk to them all the time. I said, boys, I want you to be as good as you can be at anything, at everything you do. But I don't want you to be good at things and work hard to be good at things in order that you can puff your chest out and tell people how good you are and wait for people to tell you how good you are. I want you to do the best you can with the life you've given because what God has trusted you with, he wants to use it to affect and bless other people. And I'll just tell you, If God has blessed you with all kinds of stuff, and all you care about is blessing yourself, all that God has given you is in vain. And I'm thankful to tell you today that Esther and Mordecai, though they could have enjoyed the safety of the king's house, the safety of being a ruler in the kingdom, the safety of wealth, the safety of prestige, they would not Allow the influence that God gave them to be squandered only on themselves. Because it leads us to the next thing. It's a good day when God trusts and blesses godly people. But it's also a good day when godly people use their influence to help condemned people. The second part of this chapter, Esther's burden for her people. The Bible says in verse number three, You think in verse number three that the next thing you read is Esther's uh, kicking up her heels and singing praises because she's got all this to care for and Mordecai is safe, her most favorite person. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, Esther spake yet again before the king and fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman, the Agagite, and his device that he had devised against the Jews. What's she thinking about? She says, I can't rejoice in all this glory and all this goodness knowing that my people are condemned. And so she bows before the king with tears. The Bible says in verse number 4, Then the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, if it please the king, if I found favor in his sight, and the thing seem right before the king, and I be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hammedatha the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews, which are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Do you know what Esther does? Esther says, I can't stand to live in this glory knowing that my people are condemned. Now, the king had written a decree and the decree could not be reversed. But she was petitioning the king for help. We've got to do something to save my people. Let me tell you, it's a good day when godly people get a burden for the lost. Now, Look. If Esther didn't intervene from this point forward, if Esther didn't use the blessings that God had given her in order to influence the king, in order to change the words, of, to, to rewrite and to write again, I should say, an edict from the king. If Esther had just stopped there, guess what would have happened on that particular day that was coming down the road in 10 months? All of her people would have died while she was in the comfort Of the palace. And you know what? She couldn't live like that. And and I'm thankful for that example. Because you know it can get so comfortable sometimes. It gets comfortable knowing that I'm saved. My wife's saved. My boys are saved. It gets comfortable knowing that my family comes to church with me. It gets comfortable knowing that, that the people that I care the most about. That they're, they're gonna go to heaven when they die because they put their trust in Christ as their Savior. And sometimes I get so consumed and so comfortable with how good God has given, blessed me, and how many of my family know Jesus as their Savior that I get so comfortable that I forget that there's a whole world of my people going to hell. There's people on my street people at the store, and people at the places I go that are going to die and go to hell if they don't get the message of the gospel. And I can't be satisfied with the fact that I'm going to go to heaven, my wife and my kids are going to go to heaven. I can't be satisfied with that, being comfortable with that great blessing, which it is a blessing, and knowing that others are going to die and go to hell. What should I do? I should be preaching the gospel. I should be witnessing the lost. And guess what? You should too. We all bear a responsibility to share the gospel. You see, God didn't save you just so you could play life until you die and spend eternity in heaven. God saved you so you could tell others about the saving faith that is in Christ Jesus. So that others can have the privilege that you do. And Esther said, I can't bear I can't bear to see what's going to happen to my people if something doesn't change. And her dissatisfaction with her own blessing and her burden for the lost is something that makes a big difference. I'll ask you a question. Have you lost your burden for the lost? Have you lost your burden for hurting people? Let me tell you how you can tell if you lost your burden for hurting people. You get really impatient with folks. People seem to get on your nerves more than ever. You get to the place where you just will not forgive them for that. You get to the place where you're impatient. You get to the place where you're too busy to talk to somebody. Let me tell you something. When you get to these places, I mean, you've lost your burden. All you care about is the fact that you need to be comfortable. Christian people are just comfortable Knowing that the world is dying and going to hell are Christian people who do not have the heart of their God. How, how much does God love the lost? I tell you how much he loves the lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Esther's burden for a people. It was a good day when godly people used their influence to help condemned people. Esther, I'm encouraged by her. Let's look at the third part of this passage of Scripture. The second writing. The second writing. We'll begin in verse number 7. Now, this is an interesting thing. Over and over again, as you read the book of Esther, we talk about these these writings. Uh, In chapter number 3, Haman encourages uh, King Ahasuerus to give him the authority to write, to exterminate, A certain group of people. And so the writings are written. Ahasuerus has no idea what he writes. But Haman writes it. Puts it in the name of the king. And what the king decrees and seals and writes cannot be undone. Not even the king can undo this. So according to this edict writing from king Ahasuerus written by Haman, it can't be reversed. So how are we going to deal with this? Something that can't be reversed, how are we going to deal with it? It's fascinating, because, and I'll tell you, the, the story unfolds in an interesting way. If the king himself can't reverse this, what are we going to do? I'll tell you what's going to happen. The king is going to have, allow Mordecai to write another writing, and you're going to be fascinated to see what God leads Mordecai to write that counteracts, it counteracts the commission of all the pagan people to put to death all the Jewish people. Have I got your attention yet? What in the world did we write? The Bible says in verse number seven, then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman and him they have hanged upon the gallows because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Haman's out of the picture. Verse number eight, the king continues to speak. He says, write ye also for the Jews. Haman wrote against the Jews and king says to Mordecai now, write ye for the Jews as it liketh you, just however you want. In the king's name, seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. Now, this is the same thing that King Ahasuerus said to Haman in chapter 3. You write it, and when you write it and seal it, it can't be reversed. And Haman's like, <laughs> and now Haman's hanged. The writing of the king written by Haman still out there, still in effect, and it's going to take place in about 10 months. But now Mordecai has a chance to write. The Bible says in verse number 9, then were the king's scribes called at that time in the third month, that is the month... Sivan, on the three and twentieth day thereof. And it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded unto the Jews and to the lieutenants and the deputies and rulers of the provinces which are from India unto Ethiopia and hundred and twenty and seven provinces unto every province according to the writing thereof and unto every people after their language and to the Jews according to their writing and according to their language. Now everybody's getting this writing. Verse number 10. And he wrote, Mordecai wrote in the king Ahasuerus' name and sealed it with the king's ring and sent letters by post on horseback on, and riders on mules, camels and young dromedaries. Verse number 11. Wherein? Here's what it says. The king granted the Jews which were in every city to gather themselves to gather and to stand for their life to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all the power of the people and province that would assault them. Now, now what's what's the writing say? The writing says, here's what the king has decreed. On this particular day that all of the kingdom is supposed to rise up against the Jews, now the king has decreed and written that the Jews are to take up for themselves any person, that attempts to harm them, to assault them, to slay them, to destroy them. They are to, in turn, destroy, slay, cause to perish all of the people in the province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. So what's the writing say? The writing just basically says, now listen, Jewish people, that edict is coming but you prepare yourself, and any person that tries to harm you, you have the legal right and authority by the king, written by the king himself, to take up for yourself, to stand your ground, to protect yourself. And I'll just tell you something. It is a simple human right to be able to protect yourself. You know what happens? Do you know what happens when people have the right? And take serious the importance of being able to personally protect themselves. Do you know what happens? Peace. It's a sweet thing. Now we'll read in chapter number 9 that there is some bloodshed on this particular day. But I'll just tell you this. The bloodshed was not near as great as it would have been. Not near as great as it could have been. Had there not been a balance, a group of people who said, I'm going to protect myself and do the right thing. And if you do the right thing and protect yourself, we'll be cool. And I'm pretty sure that's how the Bible says it. We'll be cool, right? Or at least that's the inference of the Greek or the Hebrew in this case. But you have peace. It's an amazing thing. It works. And a lot of times if a bad guy thinks he's going to die for going through that door illegally, he don't go through that door illegally. It's a pretty good thing. It's a good system that God's got. So, Mordecai said and decreed in the king's name, Jews, you have every right to defend yourself. Matter of fact, he doesn't exactly stop there. Verse number twelve, the Bible says, "Upon one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, namely, verse number twelve, upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adair. this writing gave them ten months to prepare to protect themselves against the mean Jew haters that were going to rise up on the day and respond to Haman's evil writing." Verse number thirteen. The copy of the writings for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people. And listen to this. Look at this in verse 13. That the Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. They had ten months to prepare. And the Jews were to prepare themselves and to be ready to protect themselves. In the event the enemy attempted to harm them. They were to protect themselves and stand their ground. The Bible says in verse 14, So the post that rode upon mules and camels went out, being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment. And the decree was given at Shushan the palace. And Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white and with a great crown of gold and with a garment of fine linen and purple. And the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province, in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. And so what happens? Over the course of the next ten months, the Jews prepare. They fortify themselves. They... Fix it to where they can protect themselves, where they can defend themselves in the event they're harmed or attacked. I remember several years ago watching battles go on between the nation of Israel and Gaza and the Gaza Strip. It still goes on. And I remember someone explaining what would happen and what needs to happen. So the people in Gaza, they are fussing and fighting, and they are, they are wanting to come in and overtake the nation of israel and destroy the israelites and they hate the jews it's just a fact and so someone proposed how the war how simply the war war could end i believe it to be true the day that the people of gaza no longer attack the people of israel there will never be another Drop of bloodshed in that battle, in that war. But until the people of Gaza stop attacking the nation of Israel, the war will continue. The Israelites are not trying to get Gaza, they're not trying to win that war. They stop attacking, the Israelites stop defending. The end. So the picture here that we see for Esther, for the nation of Israel, for the writing from Mordecai, hey, you guys have the right to protect yourself. And when they took serious the right to protect themselves, guess what happened? It was a good day. It was a good day. It was a good day. When the day came, they stood their ground. And sure, there were some people who tried to do things Haman's way. And there always will be evil people. But it remained a peaceful time, a peaceful place. And God blessed. There was great rejoicing of the nation of Israel. Here's another interesting thing. In verse 17, in every province, in every city with us, the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast, a good day. And I think this is so fascinating. Look at this. And many of the people of the land became Jews. And now that's a fascinating thing, isn't it? Many of the people of the land became Jews. Now, when I read that, I know this is Old Testament time, but it was a it was a pretty serious process to become a Jew. But I'll tell you what happened. The people were watching. They heard the story of the faith. And the actions of Mordecai and Esther. And they heard the providence of God. The moving of God. And how God put all the pieces together. The defeat of the enemy. The Satan inspired Haman himself. And they saw how God moved. And how God worked. And they saw God's people obeying the Lord. And God saving their lives. And you know what happened? There were people who weren't born into Jewish households who said, I'll just tell you something. I want their God to be my God. And a great multitude of those pagan people in that pagan land because of the faithful, faithfulness, the faithfulness and faith, Esther and Mordecai and the Jews, they gave their hearts and lives. And put their trust in Jehovah God. It's a sweet thing how God works. Many of the people that land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. When the fear of the Jews fell upon them, that's not a bad thing. Fear of the Jews. It's this this reverential awe. This this. I mean, I'm just telling you something. That is the God who created everything, and that is the God that I'm going to serve. I'm gonna be afraid not to. It's a sweet thing. Now, it was just a good day. It was a good day for the Jews this day. In Esther chapter number 8, God proved himself faithful. And I'll just remind you of something. No matter how dark today was, if you'll just keep your eyes on Jesus, you keep trusting, keep obeying him, you wait on him. Well, that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Wait on him. Let me tell you something. God will prove himself faithful. You can trust him. It's a good day to be a Christian. Because our God is forever faithful. Let's pray.